0: Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez
1: belts it! deep to right field! Gets it, by! Unbelievable! The Astros will walk off win! Yordan Alvarez, a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stunned the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Oh, God. God. Capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's
2: the TC Martin show. Erlander deals a 3-2 and a cold strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left center field. This is way back.
0: Astros off the deck.
1: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
2: Verlander with strikeout number nine.
0: The doctor is now in.
2: How about it last night, huh? The Houston Astros defeat the Philadelphia Phillies 5 nothing, A no-hitter. A combined no-hitter, but a no-hitter. And the Phillies go from five homers in game number three to no-hits. Glorious night if you're an Astro fan. And if you were in the ballpark last night, whether you're an Astros fan or a Phillies fan, you saw a no-hitter, the second in the history of the World Series. And we'll talk about that today. Diagnose it, and we get ready for game number five, the pivotal game five. And Justin Verlander, as we just heard in that open, what will he be like tonight? You know he's going to be ready. You know he's going to be focused. There are a lot of people that are anti-Verlander guys. And they're pointing to his 0-6 record, an ERA of over 7 in all of his World Series games. But we'll talk about that today. Which Justin Verlander will you see tonight? All right. This means the series going back to Houston for games 6 and 7. We've got World Series action back in Houston, which means I will be going back there as well, too. So tomorrow, uh, Marco D'Angelo will be in studio tomorrow. So, traditionally, our our Friday home, as you know, is at the Westgate, but uh, we're going to do the show in studio tomorrow, and uh, Marco will be here uh, hosting along with uh, Ralph Michaels, John Murray will be joining from the Westgate as well, too. We will have the best bets, just like we do, but I apologize. This is like my third Friday in a row. I think I'm going to be missing here because of uh, postseason baseball in the World Series. I know Numchuck, you're not all upset about that. I'm not. But. I'm not I'm not but, but I get to but, see Marco. It's
3: great. <laughs> and I get to use
2: It's this true. This Little British Like Cups the first time in the f- forever. Well, since the Kentucky Derby or maybe the Preakness. Yeah. the Belmont. But yeah, I mean that Triple Crown was pretty. Yeah. You know, there was no Triple Crown. This yeah. year. So anyway. So yeah, programming note, uh, of course, yeah, show Happening tomorrow, but not at the Westgate. So we'll be in studio. But I promise you, we will be back at the Westgate next Friday and every Friday from there on out. So, uh, and I appreciate the uh, Jay Cornegay and company and everybody over there at the Westgate. Uh, Giving me the excuse pass, as I say, as we joked with Jay on the phone last week about that. He goes, "Yeah, I think it's okay.
3: I think you might need to bring a uh, permission slip. Yeah, right, Dusty. Dusty, can, can you can you sign can, this can slip? you sign this permission slip so I can have, so I can have access, please? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly." So, uh, no, I appreciate those guys. And, again, uh, love doing the show uh, at the Westgate on Friday. But they'll be really busy tomorrow as well. Like I said, getting ready uh, as the Breeders' Cup races. you go tomorrow and Saturday. So that will be fun. All right. So for today, uh, another jam-packed show coming your way today. Uh, Sam Gordon will be joining us a little bit later on this hour. Sam the man, great columnist, as we know, with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam covers everything from the Raiders to UNLV football, of course, Uh, championship, world championship, boxing, everything. And uh, we are going to talk to Sam regarding the Raiders coming off that embarrassing loss last week to the Saints. And uh, the Raiders have stayed in Florida all week long, practicing in Sarasota. So we'll get Sam's take on that as uh, they get ready for their game against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, what is going to happen with the Raiders in this game. And, uh, you know, we found out later, Didn't really hear much about this that the Raiders had the flu bug going. Now, I'm not saying that's why they got drilled 24 to nothing to the Saints, but uh, Devontae Adams, one catch. uh, He's been sick, and uh, the flu bug has been going through the Raiders' locker room uh, probably like right before they left. And then again, you know, traveling basically for 11 straight days, not always good, especially. You know, with the climate uh, change and the weather change and all that kind of stuff, the time zone change, yeah, not a good time to be sick. So I am sure that the sickness really started as they were traveling there last week. So uh, the Raiders need to win. They're going to face a Jacksonville team that is hungry themselves that uh, nearly won that game in England last week against the Broncos, but they lost. They're desperate for a victory. Both teams only two victories thus far. So Sam Gordon will join us a little bit later this hour, talk about the Raiders. And then uh, next hour, Jay Cornegay from the Westgate, he will join us. We'll talk World Series. We'll talk about the betting aspects there, the handle, the trends on each one of the games, and, of course, we'll preview tonight's game between the Phillies and the Astros with Jay. And then Scott Spreitzer joins us as he normally does on Thursdays from the handicapping perspective, handicapping some winners, the World Series game number five tonight. Uh, We'll see who Scott likes in that game. I know Scott was on the Astros last night, had himself a big winner in that one last night. And plus we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings. We touched on that with Trevor Maddich yesterday We'll get Scott's take on that and the key games on the college board. Uh, Three really good games coming up on Saturday. We'll diagnose those for you from a handicapping aspect and, of course, give you the top games in the NFL as well, too. Plus, it is Thursday. Thursday night football. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday? I wouldn't say thirsty Thursday, even though I just had uh, some beautiful sweet tea from uh, from Freddy's. Uh, that was fantastic. I love the sweet tea at Freddy's. What
3: was the, what was oh. the meal of choice?
2: The meal of choice today, uh, I did go with the Chicago dog today, just because yesterday I went with the jalapeno pepperjack burger. But you, the breaking news: Do you know what Freddy's has now, Numb Chuck? What limited time only? Oh, no. I don't know if we need to do a, no, a separate oh, no, commercial oh, no. for this. That's right, the French onion steak burger. Ooh. On display right now, yes. I had that before. Uh, not They just brought it back starting this week, but I had it in the past. Not bad. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd like that. You know me. I love my French onion yep. soup. Love that. Love my grilled onions. So uh, that's on display. Yes and a lunch with uh, Julie Jules today. Oh, very nice. She, she was off today. So, say you should have had her come to the studio. She could have had some fun. I did. I did. I you know, c- after lunch I said, "Do you want to come and hang out the studio?" She goes, "I I got writing to do. I got all this stuff to do." And she goes, "Plus, I don't look good. I don't want nunchucks seeing me like this." That's okay. what she said. Okay. You know, you know how girls are. I mean, that's that's the way it is. <laughs> all right. So Scott Spritzer, Jay Cornergate next hour. Sam Gordon this hour as uh, we talk about it all. Uh, for you here today. All right. World Series last night. Astros must win game last night. No question about it. Christian Javier going to the mound. Talked about it leading up to this game. Christian Javier has been probably the Astros' best pitcher over the last month and a half or so. Now, Christian Javier is still a young player. He's only in his third year. I remember when he came up, along with Framber Valdez, in that 2020 season. Justin Verlander was injured. Lance McCullers was injured. And the Astros needed some arms. And the Astros signed both of those guys and threw Luis Garcia in there as well, too. All three of those guys had to come in in 2020 and pitch. Just basically straight off the farm. And none of those guys signed for big contracts. None of them signed for high, uh, big bonuses. But they got thrown into the fire early. We started to see that pay dividends for the Astros last year. Regular season, postseason, they're still very, very young. And now this year they're in their third season playing on a very veteran-laden, experienced team with so many you know, great stars around them and a great, great leadership around them as well, too. And now we're seeing the fruits of all three of those guys. You saw what Garcia did in a full-time starter's role this year. Christian Javier pretty much full time starter role, even though he was always that guy, the bridge guy. When they in the postseason, let's let's bring in Javier when we need him. Christian Javier hadn't pitched for ten days, all right, because you got a healthy Justin Verlander and a healthy Lance McCullers, and they they have just whenever needed to be there, they've been there. Christian Javier is a guy that is quiet, stays to himself concentrates like no other, meditation, and this guy just, you never see him be one emotion to the other. He's unflappable. Big game for the Astros last night. To put him on this stage after not pitching for 10 days, phenomenal. Arm was fresh. The one problem with Javier, he could have some control problems, He really did not have any control issues last night, and he threw six no-hit innings last night. One walk, nine strikeouts. Phenomenal. That's what you say about Christian Javier. We knew that he'd probably show up big, and he did. Even though you'd have 46,000 screaming Philadelphia Philly fans, man, he shut him down. We had nothing, nothing to the fifth inning. The Astros explode for five runs in the fifth inning. And it was Aaron Nola who blew up again. This is the third time in the postseason that Aaron Nola has blown up in a row. And you have to question, like I've questioned many times, about Rob Thompson and this pitching staff. Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler have been downright awful. All right? Wheeler has got arm problems. He got hurt with a forearm injury. Has not been the same since September. Then he took a line drive off his leg against San Diego in the NLCS. He got pushed back from Game 1 to Game 2, and now he got pushed back basically from Game 5 to Game 6. They're trying to rest him. And Rob Thompson has said he's got some fatigue in him. There's no question about it. So Philadelphia, their game was to win last night. They didn't get it done, and Nola blew up again, and Javier was fantastic. Javier had 97 pitches at the end of six. So my phone's blowing up. What's Dusty going to do? He's going to go to the pen because we've seen this happen before. This is not the first combined no-hitter this season that Christian Javier has been a part of. The second one, I believe it was June the 26th. I remember the game very well against the Yankees. Same thing. Went six fantastic innings. Pitch count was over a hundred. Went to the bullpen. You brought in Hector Neris. You brought in Ryan Presley. They closed it out. Boom! It was done. Per uh, rather a a no hitter against the Yankees in the Bronx. What happens? Philadelphia last night. Same thing. Javier's rolling. Dusty lifts him after six. Okay, brings in Brian Abreu. Was fantastic in the seventh. I believe he struck out the side. Montero comes in in the eighth, shuts him down. Presley comes in to close in the ninth. Boom. There you have it. A no-hitter by the Houston Astros.
1: Real Muto.
2: Bouncing ball to third.
1: the second one in World Series history
2: Joe Davis on the call with John Smoltz on Fox last night calling the no-hitter I feel good for my Houston Astros uh, radio announcers. Uh, I know that those guys were very very excited um, you know with their call. Uh, as well too so Robert Ford and uh, Steve Sparks do a fantastic job on the Astros radio network uh, be great to hear their call but uh, I know uh, that they, they had a lot of fun and a lot of emotion uh, on that side of it but uh, the no hitter with Javier Abreu Montero Presley the Astros explode for five runs in the fifth inning they got to Nola he got lit up and uh, Alvarado comes in with the bases loaded what happens first pitch He hits Jordan Alvarez. And again, when Nola was getting the start last night, I said, this is great. This is great because Nola hasn't been good. And then when they decided to bring in Alvarado, a guy who you normally see in the eighth or the ninth inning, once again comes in early in the fifth inning. And what's he do? First pitch. He hits Jordan Alvarez. But you just had this feeling that it's like, this is not going to be a good matchup for the Phillies. Even though Alvarado can throw 100 miles per hour, I get that. But Jordan, Al- Jordan Alvarez is the is the best left-handed hitter against left-handed pitching. Phenomenal. And uh, walked in a run. Alex Bregman cleaned it up. All you have to do is get the bat on the ball. Alex Bregman, one of the best hitters in all of baseball, of going to the opposite field, got his bat on the ball, double off the wall. Uh, that scored a couple more runs. Astros tack on a couple more. Five-run fifth, and that's all they needed at that point in time, and that was the final score. So the Phillies go from hitting five homers in game number three to not getting a single hit. Credit to Christian Javier. The crowd was silenced last night. You heard the crowd booing the home team. Booing the home team last night because they couldn't get a hit. Phillies fans left the game early last night. So all the talk about, hey, Philly fans are great this and that. Philly fans are bad. They boo Santa Claus. That's who they are. They have zero patience. And we talked about the, the situation with Mattress Mac the day before where Mac is there and there's a video that's gone viral where these guys are berating Mac, go home, calling him all these names, and Mac fire back saying F-U-F-U. F-u. Never seen Mac do that. Never seen him do that. I mean, those words rarely come out of his mouth. Very devout Catholic. And a guy who does so much for his church, he does for the community, he's a fan. And for someone to do that, or people to do that to to him, to get him that riled up. And I know he feels very, very bad and doesn't want to talk about it. uh, About, you know, how he reacted to that. But we did see... Video of Mattress Mac last night jumping up and down, yelling for for Alex Bregman, who he always sports his jersey at the games. But um, a phenomenal night for baseball last night as the Astros defeat the Phillies and now tie this series up two games apiece. All right. So before we get and start analyzing uh, uh, tonight's game, I want to touch on the no hitter. Now, There is the narrative out there that's saying, well, it's not a no-hitter because it's it's four pitchers combined for the no-hitter. Yes, it is a no-hitter, okay? Because the Phillies got no-hits. It is a no-hitter. It goes down in history as a no-hitter. It's the second no-hitter in World Series history. The second. The first was Don Larson, the perfect game. The perfect game in 1956. Now, Does this rate as the same as Don Larson's no-hitter? No. Absolutely not. It shouldn't. It is a no-hitter because the Phillies got no hits. But no-hitters with one pitcher stands out above and beyond. You cannot compare it. It was cool to see that last night. But do you get as excited... For seeing that as one pitcher going nine innings or nine-plus innings and no-hitting an opponent, no way. No, because that is harder to do. Remember, it is much easier for a combined no-hitter from the the, the standpoint from a pitching staff. It may be a little bit tougher for the hitters because you're not seeing the same pitcher for four and five at-bats. So from a hitter standpoint, it's much tougher, much tougher. So it should be graded as such. If you have thoughts on that, chime in. 702-221-7283. What were your thoughts about the no-hitter? Do you view it as maybe not as important because it's a combined no-hitter? I understand that, and I completely agree with that. Yes, but it still is a no-hitter, so it will go down in history. But if you got thoughts, I'm curious. 702 2-2-1, 72-83, 2-2-1, 72-83. your thoughts on the game and the one-pitcher no-hitter versus the combined no-hitter. But give the Astros credit. Their backs are against the wall in a tough environment from a team that was so hot-hitting that it, 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 a lot of people did not see that coming last night. But Javier was great. The bullpen was great. And again, like I've said many, many times, there is no... Big difference between the Astros' bullpen and the Phillies' bullpen. Phillies' bullpen's a wreck, even though they put up some good numbers. But that's why Rob Thompson is mixing and matching, because he has no choice to do that. Not really the fault of him. He's trying to get creative, because he doesn't have great arms down there. He doesn't have guys that have had long-term great results. Some stats will look good for the Phillies in the postseason. But remember, part of the reason why the Phillies... Barely got in the playoffs as a sixth seed because they did not have good pitching. Aaron Nola is your ace. The guy's 13-11. Zach Wheeler, not a great record, right? In the bullpen, you don't see a guy that has 30, 35 saves, 40 saves. You don't see that. The Phillies don't have that. They don't have great arms. I mean, when, when Mr. Hand comes into the game, you're, you're, what is this? I mean, Sir Anthony comes in, you know, it's like you don't know what you're going to get. Alvarado throws 100. He's like Josh Hader. He's You you know, you're fearful because those guys throw 100, but look how many times Hader's gotten banged around. Alvarado's gotten banged around in in his career as well too. So they performed well in the postseason. Give the Phillies credit for that. But they cannot stack up to the Astros, starting pitching-wise or from a bullpen perspective. They can't. And they don't. Last night was special. But does the no-hitter maybe mean a little bit less? Yes, because it was combined. I I get that. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks on the Astros call. We got that. Hit it. Pitch on the way. Ground ball, left
0: side, coming in Bregman. He scoops the short hop, throws on a move to first in time, and that is a ball game. A World Series no-hitter for the Houston Astros as they blank the Philadelphia Phillies 5 to nothing.
2: There it is. All right. A uh, little, little more excitement, but still, I think it would be more, you have more excitement if it was a Verlander complete game no-hitter. I think th- that would... Uh, Resonate a little bit more, you know, in the call. So I understand people saying, "Hey, it's really not a no hitter." No, nope, it is a no hitter, but is it as special for the Astros? It is, but no. And for those that are questioning Dusty Baker, oh, why don't you leave Javier? Let him keep going in there, because Javier is not a guy that goes deep into games. He never has been. Remember, Javier came up through the bullpen. He he was basically been a career reliever, but he's only been a starter for the Astros. Because of the injuries that they've had with Verlander, and McCullers, and others. And that's why he hasn't pitched in the last 10 days. But what a great weapon it is. When we talk about the Astros having an abundance of pitching talent. Well, you're seeing it. And that will be the death of the Phillies because they don't have it eventually. Whether it's in six games or seven games, eventually that'll be the death of them. Just like I said with the Dodgers and the Yankees. And it will be with the Phillies. The only way the Phillies are going to win this World Series is if they get back and start cranking balls out of the ballpark again and the Astros stumble. That's the only reason, the only way that the Astros are going to lose this World Series. Give Philly credit. Their bats have been alive up until last night, and how are they going to respond after being no hit? Now, we'll say this. The Phillies have been no hit twice this year. All right. Last night was the sec- second time. They got no hit earlier on in the season, midway through the season. They came back and they won the next day. Little difference is you're not facing the Astros. You're not facing Justin Verlander, which brings us to tonight's game. All right. Justin Verlander going to the mound against Noah Syndergaard. All right. If this was five, six years ago, you're going to say, man, you got a couple aces going at each other. But instead, here's what you got you got an ace. In Justin Verlander, who's going to, next week, will be awarded his third Cy Young Award. He's going to win the Cy Young. But Verlander has faced some issues in the postseason, as we know. And it has been talked about. Justin Verlander is 0-6 in World Series starts. ERA now of over 7. Game 1. He was staked to a 5 nothing lead. I was there. I thought Justin Verlander was going to roll, and and he did, he was rolling in that game. He retired the first ten hitters. It was perfect through the first three innings. Got the first out in the fourth, and then he had it started going downhill. Hung a couple curveballs, had a couple walks, and just like the Astros got that five nothing lead, boom, in one inning last night. That's what happened with the Phillies. So just like that. It was 5-3. It was 5-5. Phillies then ended up taking the lead uh, in extra innings, and they win 6-5. But Verlander was very good in this first three and a third. All right? That was the first time in 20 years that a team overcame a five-run deficit to win a World Series game. That was game number one. Now Verlander is going to get his opportunity on the road in Philadelphia, the final home game this season for the Phillies in their park They're going to be ready to go, and they feel, hey, we hit Verlander. We're going to be fine. This is the most important start of Justin Verlander's career because he is fighting his legacy right now. Great pitcher, three Cy Young Awards. His third will be coming next week. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question about it. That's how good he is. This could be Verlander's last start in an Astros uniform. He's a free agent after this season. All the pressure in the world is on Justin Verlander tonight. Will he show up big? Will he wilt? Will the Phillies' bats pick up where they left off after Verlander was lifted after the fifth inning in game one? I am predicting that Justin Verlander comes up big. Talked to Chris Bazio earlier today. He can't join us today because he's traveling today. He said Verlander will be nails tonight. I kind of feel that. And I'll tell you why I feel that way. Verlander has had three bad outings. When I constitute a bad outing, when you give up more than five or six runs, or if you give up, say, three or four runs in only two or three innings, three of those occasions happened with Justin Verlander this year. Okay? Verlander, early on in the season... Well, work our way backwards, okay? So we know what happened the other night, okay? But he does not have bad back-to-back starts. It doesn't happen. He learns from his mistakes. This guy was looking at video. He self-analyzes himself. He talked about it the other day. He said, you know what? I, I, I hung a couple of those breaking balls. I've, I've went back. I've looked at it. I've studied these guys. No one is studying harder than Justin Verlander for this start tonight. Him and Martín Maldonado, they will be on the same page. He'll be ready to go. But he does not have bad back-to-back outings. Now, his last bad outing, he faced the Mariners, gave up six runs, all right, in that playoff series. Next game, he faced the Yankees. What did he do against the Yankees? Gave up one run, struck out 11. You go back to the middle of the season, he had a bad outing against the Chicago White Sox where he – Gave up four runs in only three innings. Didn't have it that day. what Verlander do? His very next outing, beat the Yankees. Seven innings, gave up one run. Winner. Another outing early on in the season, Justin Verlander gave up six runs. It was one of his first starts. Again, coming off the Tommy John surgery, wasn't sure what Verlander was going to offer this year. In that early start against Seattle, gave up six runs. His next start... He had a no-hitter going against the Oakland Athletics, and he had seven perfect innings. Went into the seventh inning, finally gave up hit, uh, and and he got taken out. But in seven of his last nine starts, he has been phenomenal, giving up two earned runs or less. Now, that's seven of his last nine. We talked about the two that wasn't so good. Four of those seven, he gave up nothing. Gave up no runs in four of those seven. His stuff is electric. Got one of the best fastballs in baseball. One of the best cutters, sliders. Expect him to work off that fastball tonight instead of the breaking ball like he did in game one. And that's where he went wrong. Why did Christian Javier have so much success last night? Because he was working off the fastball. He had the late stuff, the late action going. Philly hitters couldn't catch up with it. They couldn't follow it. And that's what Verlander is going to learn from Christian Javier. Yeah, he's learning from Christian Javier. Learn for a third-year guy. And that's what these Astro pitchers do. And Justin Verlander knows himself. He said, I made some mistakes. Not going to let that happen again. So if his fastball, and I'll say the word if, if his fastball is good tonight, it's got that late life on it, and he's, and he's clocking at 96-97, watch out for JV tonight. Again, he doesn't have back-to-back bad starts. That's why I'm banking on Verlander to get this game tonight. Astros get the victory, go back and close it out in Houston, game six and seven, all right? Noah Syndergaard on the flip side. He's a mental mess right now. He doesn't know where he belongs, where he fits in right now. Remember, Noah Syndergaard has had arm problems. He's bounced around. He left the Mets when he was fantastic. Velocity was up. Had great stuff. Went to the Angels. Was a mess this year. Angels got rid of him. Ends up in Philadelphia. You would think, okay. And the Phillies said, we'll take a shot with you because we hope, we think that you still have some magic in that arm. And we haven't seen it. He's been relegated to a relief pitcher. Been relegated to a starter where he's usually out of the game after three or four innings. His last time out, he came in a relief. Last appearance in the NLCS versus San Diego. He was the fifth pitcher in that game. Think about that. Noah Syndergaard was the fifth pitcher in a game. Came into the sixth inning in that game against the Padres. Went inning in the third. Gave up two hits. Did not have a strikeout. His next appearance prior to that, his preceding, uh, I should say, his appearance in the NLDS against Atlanta, he started game four. Only went three innings. Gave up a hit. The one hit was a home run. Had three strikeouts. Didn't look bad, but he was pulled in that game. He's appeared in game two in relief in the eighth inning, where he went one inning. And that's what the, those were his last four appearances. I mean, just like with the other pitchers and the pitching staffs, you just don't know what Rob Thompson is going to do. Lack of consistency here. And Syndergaard has had a total lack of consistency. And like I said, I think that is going to be the death of the Phillies. It, it will be the the lack of pitching that they have here. Now, Verland, rather, uh, Syndergaard did face the Astros twice this year as a member of the Angels. Uh, last start was in July. He went four innings, gave up three runs, four walks. Got lit up pretty good. He's given up at least three runs in 12 of his 23 starts this year. Syndergaard has arm problems. Rob Thompson, elected not to start him in game four, not start uh, Zach Wheeler in game five, saving Zach Wheeler for six because Zach Wheeler's not 100%. He's got arm fatigue, trying to rest him as long as he possibly can. And instead of maybe Kyle Gibson, a guy that he may be better suited to pitch or someone else, he's going with Noah Syndergaard. This is not the same Noah Syndergaard that was with the Mets five, six years ago. Not the same guy. So, on paper, and current relative status, you have the ace of the Astros, ace of all of baseball, Justin Verlander going against Noah Syndergaard, who is a shell of himself right now. It seems like a pitching mismatch. But then again, it's baseball. Now, Neither team has won two games in a row in this World Series. This is what makes it exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. We can only talk about it, handicap it, what we think is going to happen, but as we've seen... <laughs> Man, you just don't know what's going to happen. I can hardly wait for Game 5 tonight. can hardly wait to get back to Houston for Game 6 tomorrow. The winner tonight will be one game away from winning the World Series. We come back. Sam Gordon is going to join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We'll talk some football with Sam, talk about the Raiders, college football, and a whole lot more. Like I said, next hour we'll talk to Jay Cornegay. The vice president of race and sports book operations at the world famous Super Book at the Westgate. And uh, we'll talk about where the money's going for the World Series, as well as college football, the NFL, and Scott Spreitzer from a handicapping standpoint as well. So we got it going on on World Series game number five edition of The T.C. Martin Show. I
4: do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the
0: doctor, T.C.
4: Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor
0: is now insane.
2: Uh, yes, we continue on here on this Thunderous Thursday edition. If you miss any part of any of the shows, go to the website tcmartinshow.com. Our interview with Mattress Mac, left that up there on the, on the homepage because uh, people have been talking all about Mac. They love that interview. Go back and listen to it. Uh, again, great stuff with Mac and his 75 million reasons on why he is rooting for the Astros. 10 million. On future bets, cash in seventy five million if if Mac hits it. So, uh, of course, rooting for mattress Mac, and of course the, the promotions guru with Gallery Furniture again. He's got seventy four million as as he told us on the show uh, in sales that are refunds, I should say that he's going to have to refund. Remember, anybody who buy, buys three thousand dollars worth of furniture at his store, you know, during this whole baseball season, and he had to cut it off on Sunday because they did over one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Last Sunday, the day where Framber Valdez, well, Framber Valdez came in on Tuesday, and was loading up the truck. There you go. But uh, anyway, yeah. So honestly, Mac would be better suited from a financial standpoint if the Astros lost because he wouldn't have to refund seventy-four million dollars. But again, this is why he makes these future bets to hedge off. It gets a tremendous amount of of play. Not just with people coming in and purchasing furniture, but just from a goodwill standpoint. And that's what he said to me. He goes, you know, no, I I understand that. He goes, but no, I want the Astros to win because of all the goodwill that comes out of it with him, that he's refunding all the money back. And I asked Mac, I said, How many what what do you think the percentages of people that actually come in for a refund? Especially people that, you know, bought the furniture, you know, back in April and May and June. He goes, close to 90%, 95%. Did did that surprise you? Yeah. Yeah, because I think, oh, okay, Astros, I I, I got my furniture. Yeah. I said, no way. He goes, no, seriously. He goes, 90%. Because he's been doing this, not only with past Astros teams, but Super Bowls and Kentucky Derby, you know, promotions, exact same thing. He goes, no. He goes, you know, free, free, free. People want the free. So I'm very curious if the Astros do win the World Series that, what those returns really look like. And we'll, you know, continue talking to Mac over the course of the off season and then and find out. But
3: so there's a petition out there online to have Mattress Mac throw the first pitch at game six.
2: Throughout the ceremonial first pitch, huh?
3: So six hours ago, yeah. When I first saw it, yeah. there's three hundred and like forty three signatures. Okay. As of right now we have twenty six thousand nine hundred and forty six <laughs> people. Okay, so this is the petition. The petition. Now, where does the petition go? It's one of those little fake, like, right. like it's so just it's kind you, of like, right. you know, okay. like if the Astros are looking at it. Is, is Major League Baseball the,
2: tagged on this? No, but they Major should League, be. Are they going to be able to see this?
3: I, I don't think it's Major League Baseball, isn't
2: it? Wouldn't it be, the, be Houston? No. Remember, Major League Baseball makes every decision from, oh, okay. from, from you know, whether the game's going to get played, whether the roof is going to get opened. Okay. The, the times of the games, who's doing batting practice, everything, the national anthem singers go by the discretion of major league baseball. They control everything. The tickets. Okay. And I think I told you the story about the tickets, right? Where, you know, people got displaced for their season tickets because major league baseball, you know, has those first, you know, five rows there. And, uh, Everything is controlled by Major League Baseball. The meetings that they have regarding, you know, the weather decisions. The Astros. If the Astros said, hey, we want the roof, you know, closed tonight. They go, no. You know, we want it open. Yeah. They're going to decide it.
3: So every one of these comments, Mac deserves it. Mattress Mac deserves it. Mattress Mac deserves it after doing what? After doing Philly Vets. I approve. I want Mattress Mac to throw out the first pitch in game six. Uh, Matrix max deserved this honor so many
2: so many great comments i i you know here's the thing i mean so obviously houston has an input so when they had like craig biggio and and jeff bagwell uh, two great astro players you know astros hall of famers they major league baseball said okay cool yeah you, you can have them throughout the ceremonial first pitch so you see former players or you see dignitaries they will throw out the ceremonial first pitches this is interesting because you would think if Major League Baseball had a little fun aspect in them, they would say, "Yeah." But here's the problem: that thing's already been determined. They set up who sings the national anthem, who throws that ceremonial first pitch, well in advance. So I'm sure that if Mac ends up doing it, Major League Baseball would have to cancel somebody to do that. In in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what do they think about the gambling aspect? Because even though Mattress Trismack is just a great humanitarian, we've talked about so many times, that what he's done with the hurricane victims and all the money that he donates to charity, that would be fantastic. Fantastic. But because Major League Baseball has heard all this about, well, he's betting on the World Series and has these future bets, even though Major League Baseball is in bed with all these companies, you'd think it'd be okay. But um, I I love the idea. I love he, it.
3: He's doing something. I love it. Isn't he doing something huge today for like the Philly or for the Eagles game? Didn't he buy out a box or something? And his I thought I saw something. I don't know.
2: I don't I don't know about that. It's funny you bring that up because again when we're going to talk about that. How, how ironic is this that the Eagles are playing the Texans tonight in Houston, Philly against Houston? But I was asking him about that because I was, I was thinking about going to the Tennessee Titans Houston Texans game. Last Sunday when I was there, I asked Mac, I said, do you go to the games? He goes, no, no, he doesn't go, doesn't have tickets. He, he, he's, he likes football, but he's not a big, big supporter of the Texans and especially everything that transpired with Deshaun Watson. All right. Let's uh, continue on here. Some more football talk uh, and, and World Series talk uh, next hour. Jay Cornigan and Scott Spryce will join us. Right now we go to our man, Sam the Man Gordon, Las Vegas Review-Journal, the fine colonist and our very good friend. Sam, what's going on, man? PC, how you doing? Happy Thursday. Right Great back, sure you having me. Right back to you, man. Glad to... To have you here, man. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what your eyes saw last Sunday. Let's go back with the Raiders and the Saints. A really dismal performance by the Raiders. I read your column regarding that uh, on Monday. Fine job as usual, my friend. But uh, I, w- I want to hear it straight from you. I mean, when you were watching this thing unfold, at what point in time did you say, okay, this is the focus of my column? Uh, I mean, I think
1: relatively, I don't know, T.C., maybe in the second half when it it was clear, look, it's one thing to come out flat. We've we've seen that before in the NFL. It happens. It happens to great teams. It happens to bad teams. It happens to average teams. But the lack of adjustments, the lack of pop in the second half, the lack of energy, the lack of change, I mean, it was the exact same thing uh, in the second half as it was in the first half. So it was clear. Like, like there was the, the game plan that they had, was was ineffective on both sides of the ball the execution of said game plan was was not precise uh and as and there were no changes regarding anything that new orleans was doing so um it it became clear i mean new orleans is not a good football team tc they were at the bottom of the nfl in a number of key metrics penalties turnovers uh score uh, points allowed per game i mean this was a bad team this new orleans is not a, a a great team By any measure, and the Raiders had them out there looking like the '85 Bears, was just how poorly uh, they played. So it it was this was supposed to be a stretch where the Raiders reeled off uh, several victories. I'm not I'm not going to say six and zero or anything, but four and two, five and one, that would have put them right back uh, in the mix. And I suppose it's not too late; they can still uh, win a number of games here. But there's nothing that we saw Sunday at all to suggest that that's going to happen. So it was a uh, it was again a dismal. Um, embarrassing performance uh, obviously like you said that my column um, you talked about the the, the coaching but uh, the players didn't perform either it was a it was an all-around dud uh, by the Raiders players coaches uh, everybody involved and uh, really a uh, an egregious performance uh, against the team that I thought they had a, a prime opportunity to beat uh, they, they, they 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 certainly um, didn't have anything to offer whatsoever, uh, and that is a reflection. I, you know, you read the column; it was that was, those were my thoughts, and and uh, we'll see what kind of adjustments uh, the Raiders make on Sunday, and what should be another winnable game uh, against Jacksonville Jaguars. And I said, I say should be because uh, we'll have to see after that performance against New Orleans.
2: I agree with you, and again, you you come off that game against the Texans here at Allegiant Stadium the week prior, and. They didn't look good in the first half, ten we ten, you know, to Davis Mills and company for the Houston Texans, and then the second half the Raiders showed some life, some spark, and you would think, okay, naturally, okay, now you know they're supposed to win that game, and they're probably supposed to win the game against the Saints. Now, granted, you know the Superdome is a tough place to play, but the Saints, like you said, are not a good team. They got question marks at quarterback, they got question marks at running back, and even though you got Alvin Kamara, I mean, this guy has been banged up; he hasn't been the same guy for a half, you know, almost a. A year now and he gets his you know scores his first three touchdowns of the season in you know week number 8 i mean it's it's crazy and they were listless they were lifeless it was humiliating it was downright embarrassing and it's almost like the raiders felt like okay we're going to walk over this team you can't have that type of attitude when you are the raiders when you are the 2 and 5 las vegas raiders uh it's it, it's mind-boggling Sam because it just seems every week, you know, you know people are expecting this team to bust out. And then here comes the uh, the question that I have for you is, you know, people say, well the Raiders should be much better because they have all this talent. I disagree with that, Sam. I don't think that there's an abundance of talent here. And when you look at the especially the defensive side of the ball, I mean, that defense is a sieve. It's a sieve especially against the pass. They have been uh, struggling with cornerbacks and safeties and basically linebackers for the, the better part of, of, of many years. You bring a guy like Chandler Jones, okay, that's supposed to stabilize something. You got Max Crosby, but outside of Crosby, what has anybody else done? I mean, are you banking on on Divine Diablo? Are you really kidding me with this? I mean, with all these guys, I mean, that defense is is so thin to begin with, and then you add on injuries on top of that, I mean, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Then, as, as far as offense, yeah, Josh Jacobs. I mean, let's be honest, the Raiders really didn't think too much of him. They, if you thought that much of Josh Jacobs, you would have re-signed him. He's having a fantastic season. He's the guy that's kind of you know carrying you right now. But Derek Carr is the same Derek Carr that we've seen in the past. And Devonta Adams, I mean, one catch last week. Now, I, you know, it, it just in Devonta Adams, you know, he's hanging his head. We saw how he reacted after the game. That's frustration. We've talked about it a lot during the course of the season. He's not used to losing. He wasn't losing like this in Green Bay. I mean, he was putting up his numbers. And so if you're Devontae Adams, you've got to be thinking, man, you know what did I sign up here for? So I just think that when you look at the talent aspect here, I, the Raiders just aren't very good, really, on both sides of the ball, but really specifically the defensive side.
1: Well, I yeah I mean that's that's clear I think they have like the I, I saw some some stats on uh, I believe Josh Dubot, um great great sports writer for the AP um, in the Bay Area uh, alluding to how little of money the Raiders spend on their defense I think they're third to last in spending on that side of the ball this this particular season in terms of how much they've allocated to their defense uh, this season and it shows right and it shows in, in certainly in the, in the lack of um, high end. You know, top tier playmakers, and then in the lack of depth as well. So, like you said, DC, when you lose a Nate Hobbs, who ha- had been developing into a Pro Bowl caliber corner and one of your best defensive players, you lose him to an injury um, to begin with. You're already thin at the secondary to begin with. That's the, the ramifications are devastating. You mentioned Chandler Jones. Uh, the, the high price tag uh, excellent pass rusher through the first ten years of his career the excellent pass rusher coming over from the cardinals at, at thirty two it's just he hasn't found it this season so uh there the, the the issues are abundant on the defensive side of the ball i do think um that they were banking uh on on the the new staff and regime being able to piece it together on, on the offensive line and figure things out and banking on their coaching and uh in some ways in the running game for a few weeks they, they've delivered in that regard and then we also saw how much that unit struggled on Sunday uh, against the Saints. So uh, I, I'm with you. It's not, I, it's not certainly not a top five roster. You look at the rosters like the San Francisco 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, teams like that, right? Like the, the Raiders aren't in that echelon. but I do think um, they they have more talent than the record, than the record would indicate. This was a team that, that had the opportunity, right? When you, when you, when you elected to move on from Mike Mayock and Rich, Rich Bisacci, there were one of two ways the organization could have, could have went, they could have, Opted to to do a full teardown and a rebuild right on the spot, and 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 uh, trade away some of their best players, and elect not to re-sign certain players, and only focus on their young guys. Uh, or they wanted to, or there was the approach of doubling down and, and investing more resources into the success that they had last year. And a lot of those games at the end of the year were they fluky, maybe to a certain degree uh, that that stringing together wins that improbably, and however many they had to reel off five of their last six or whatever to make the playoffs. Yeah, there was there was definitely. Um, some luck involved in that but nonetheless it was a 10 and 17 that the Raiders elected to add resources to and invest more money in instead of um, rebuilding so when you do that from an organizational standpoint it signals to me that they expected to be a lot better than two and five right a lot more competitive um, than two and five they were of course competitive in their first few losses but Sunday uh, was inexcusable and now uh, you're at kind of a crossroads in your season where if the Raiders lose on Sunday to the Jacksonville Jaguars which the Jaguars at two and six are in a similar position where they've lost a number of post games as well, and could probably make the case an argument that they should have a a better record than they do. But uh, with that being said, if the Raiders go down to Jacksonville uh, and lose Sunday, then, then you can forget about it. I mean, there already was hardly a margin of error um, to begin with going into New Orleans. And then when you look that way uh, and play the way that they did uh, it, it leaves you with, with no margin for error on, on Sunday. So if they don't win, uh, I, I think at two and six, you can pretty much forget about it at that point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's it hasn't been the season uh, that anybody expected. I don't think there was necessarily. I mean, I certainly didn't expect Super Bowl or anything, or necessarily a run to the uh, the AFC title per se. But I did expect more competi- a better record than two and five, and it's certainly more competitive team than the one that uh, trotted out and took the field on the Superdome Sunday. So again, we'll see. Uh, how they look against Jacksonville, a team that has a myriad of issues and a vulnerable team that the Raiders, again, should beat. They're favored to do so, just like they were favored against the Saints. Uh, but as we've seen with with the Raiders this year, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and until they go out there and prove it and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and play a, sound, a good sound four quarters, uh, you can't assume anything, not at this point in the season.
2: The trade deadline is coming past this week. Uh, the Raiders <laughs> stand pat, don't do anything. And here's a comment from Dave Ziegler. He says, we are excited about the group that we have what do you what do you make of that
1: um, I, I make i i mean it's it's hard for i mean i don't Me personally, I mean
2: that is the company line of all company lines. There, I mean they didn't do it, you know. But I mean you can't be happy with what you got, especially as you know, Sam. You're a GM. You're a head coach. You come in, okay. We're we're playing with Mike Mayock's guys still for the most part, okay. We can we can try to get rid of some of these guys, but you can't get rid of everybody. You got to play with these guys, especially in a coach's, you know, first year, you know, under this regime here with Ziegler and McDaniel's here, but you can't say that we're happy with this group that we have here. I mean, that's just saying, you know, Hey, I, I don't want to, you know, create any, you know, bad ill will or chemistry in, in our locker room right now, but uh, especially on defense, you can't be happy with this.
1: No, I, I don't think there's any way. I mean, the team's two and five, the the, the first four losses were all came down. as just racional football in which the Raiders didn't execute. And, and the fifth loss, uh, was a total no show so i don't think i don't I, there's no way uh there, when you look at the roster right and there are strengths of this team when healthy the receiving core should figure to be among one of the better ones uh, in the nfl you have max crosby, who is one of the best defensive players uh in the league at twenty five he's under contract long term Nate Hodges is emerging into a star uh and there are quality starters around the field that but when you take a when you when you're talking about again a team like san francisco the depth the team the, the depth that a buffalo has the, the there are much, much, much better rosters. And there has to be an understanding that, uh, yeah, there are pieces in place. There is a foundation in place. There was last year. But uh, that, that there's still a lot that needs to happen in order for this team to be a real upper echelon contender. And I think some of his messaging yesterday um, was they want to build something long-term, something sustainable and long-term. And that's that's very understandable. That's obviously the objective that every uh, front office, every team has to have. But at this juncture of the season, when you're 2-5 and five and you might be 2-6, and six, like what? What is there right now, long term, that they that they that 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 excites Dave Ziegler? Like I said, I mentioned I think a few of the players, and I think a few of maybe the units that that are strengths of this team. But there are still too many holes, and in order to build something sustained, it's going to take. Um, a while. So I was, I, they had an opportunity right at the trade deadline to maybe recoup some draft picks and recoup some draft conversation and uh, sell off at this juncture of the season. They chose not to do that. That signals to me that they are, they still believe that they can compete for a playoff berth. And again, uh, they, they did lose to new Orleans, but the schedule still relatively favorable with Jacksonville um, with the Colts uh, Seattle, I think much better than anybody expected, but but there are winnable games still uh, on the schedule. It's just there again, based on Sunday, we haven't seen anything that's going to suggest that a, a run is going to happen. Uh, So we'll see how they respond on on Sunday. But I'm with with you. I don't think there's anything – that um, that that he that, that Raider fans are happy with being 2-5, and, and and I, I certainly don't think that's the messaging that they want to hear from their general manager uh, at this juncture of the season.
2: Need a must win against uh, Jacksonville, a very beatable opponent, but Jacksonville coming off uh, a tough loss in England as well, too, so they'll be hungry, and we've seen Jacksonville uh, play pretty well, especially at home, but uh, a lot of close losses, like you said. Sam, I appreciate it, as always, my friend. We'll let you get back to work. Thanks for spending time with us today, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, DC. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. There to him. Is. Sam Gordon does a great job at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Check out his column there at the RJ. All right. We come back. We talk football, baseball, a whole lot more, handicapping, as we get busy with Jay Cornegay from the Westgate, the Superbook. Scott Spritzer joins us from Doc Sports as well, too, as we continue on here on a thunderous Thursday edition, getting you ready for game number five of the World Series between the Astros and the Phillies tonight. The winner of tonight's game will be one victory away from a World Series title.
1: Entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action has
4: some time. Deep shot for Parker.
1: to get your daily prescription from the Doctor. T. C. Martin. Oh my goodness! The legend just goes on. The Doctor is now. in
2: Glad to have you here. Hour number two, continuing on here. Talk a little. World Series game number five tonight. Verlander against Syndergaard. We'll talk about that this hour, and of course, we'll take a look at the college football betting board as well as the NFL as uh, we continue on here on this uh, Thunderous Thursday edition. And uh, remember, uh, tomorrow, uh, Marco D'Angelo will be in for me, uh, going back to Houston for World Series Game 6. Will there be a Game 7? That is the question. I know a lot of people are rooting for a Game 7. Especially our next guest, because they want more action coming through the counters at the sports book. No doubt about it. Our very good friend Jay Cornegay, the uh, vice president of race sports book operations at the Superbook at the Westgate. Jay, what is up, my man?
4: All right, TC. So uh, you know, you keep talking about these trips. I mean, how do you do it? I'm so, so jealous. <laughs> Listen, you, oh, oh I got, to, oh, I got to go to Houston for Game Six. You know, I'm like, oh man. Uh, let me know when you got an extra ticket. L-
2: let me say that I bet you have m- more frequent flyer miles than I do. I, I got to say, I mean, you're you're a traveling man yourself now. Don't kid it. Any- don't kid anybody
4: now. Well. I am
2: going to Hawaii next yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Hawaii. And do I get an invite? I mean, anything. To, you know, an uh, invitation with a pineapple or anything? A luau? Why would he
3: invite you to go to Hawaii?
2: I don't know. Because he wants me to invite him to go to the World Series. I think it's a fair trade.
4: Don't you think? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Well, listen. I haven't been to Hawaii in uh, 10 years. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's where my mom's side of the family's from. So I got family back there and Okay. Uh just, just saying hello, you know, that's it. Um and um uh it was just uh it came up uh, we had a, a nice little package deal and so we're we're looking forward to that. It's it's weird though, you know, when you're being in the sports business as as I have been over thirty plus years, you know, when you get into those like locations, those destinations, it, you do escape it for a while. You know, yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Like, who won that game last night? You yeah. <laughs> know, I'm sorry. I was at the, you know, uh, you know, the tiki bar or something.
2: Right, right. Now, Jay, have you uh, traveled overseas much at
4: all? Oh, yeah. I Actually, uh, my parents were over there in Germany uh, for about three, four years. Oh, and Oh, no, I'm for three jealous.
2: I'm jealous. You're talking about Germany.
4: No, I didn't Bundesliga, I my listen. friend. My summers. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I spent three summers over there and then one Christmas break. Mm-hmm. So during my college days, that's where I spent my summers. And you know what? To be honest, I, I just you know I should have taken advantage of it uh, a little bit more. I did travel around and you know got the Euro Pass and did that thing, and we had you know blast. And I had some friends that came over and we'd work a little bit and then we travel a little bit. I just didn't appreciate it as you know as much as I should have um, because. I haven't been back since, (laughs) so um, I'd love to take uh, my wife over there because she's never been, and uh, we uh, hopefully get to plan that uh, soon.
2: And the reason why I asked you about the overseas is because, you know, I can imagine when you say you get really kind of disconnected from the sports book side, if you're overseas, I mean, not only do you have like the 7, 8 or 9 hour, you know, time difference, but there's no coverage that over there of like what happened in Major League Baseball today or even the NFL or even the the, you know, if you're over there the NBA finals time for the most part, there really is you know you try to find a tv there and, and i I've, I've been through that before it's like wh- what you're looking at what no 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 we you know we've got you know this other thing on or you know that uh, you know i mean i saw so many of these like soccer games when i was in croatia they were like showing over and over again and it looked like they were playing at like, high school fields or something or like empty stadiums and like i don't know what i'm watching here you know g- you know give me something else like, can i can i get a baseball game or a football game they're going what what are you talking about you know so yeah, yeah. So in your no industry, chance. you know, like I said, you know, you're 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 consumed with this. This is your life, day in and day out. I can imagine that how you would probably be going through convulsions.
4: <laughs> no, it's really a relaxing time. Right. You know, I just I, I still get emails. You know, you're still on the phone. You know, you get them on your phone. And you say, oh, this is how we did last night or whatever. And uh, you know, so I, I'm in constant contact. And you know, we we're open every day. We're open twenty four seven you know we're in six jurisdictions there's a, there's a lot going on so i do try to keep my hand on you know on the pulse there but uh you know i, I will tell you one story uh, when you mentioned that about trying to get information over there when i was over there this is before the internet before cell phones and all that and so we used to get our you know scores uh from the military newspaper called Stars and Stripes and but they would be scores like two days ago, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. So they, uh, they were a little outdated, but when we, when we were in Spain, it was during the old Celtic Laker battles. And, um, that one night they, we were in a Spain bar and they had it on and which was, um, I mean, impressive in itself that mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was packed. People were so into it down there in Spain they were so into that series, or that at least that game, because we couldn't believe it. Like, man, this is the first time I've ever seen them really care about American sports. But it was the NBA. It was, it was Magic against Bird, and it was, um, you know, I don't know if they, maybe they hyped it up over there but certainly a lot of interest in it in Spain.
2: Yeah, and again, we know that Spain is a great basketball country as well. You know, I mean, the Gasol brothers and, and so many others as well, too. So they, they love their basketball. That You know, when you're telling me that story, it reminds me of when I was uh, in Italy during the Olympic Games, and I was really looking forward to watching the Dream Team play. And I was uh, at my hotel, and actually made sure that I was I was eating dinner and in front of the TV, and I was so excited because I can't remember who the dream team was was was, was going to be playing, and instead I was watching handball. I was watching like Italy against <laughs> I don't I can't you know Guatemala I don't know who it was in a handball game. As like, are you kidding me? And then after that, it was it was some other. You know, I don't know what it was, uh, you know, what's what's the the skeet shooting or something like that. They had all these obscure sports. I'm going, Can I get some basketball? Can I see <laughs> Team USA? And they just it was over and over and over. It's just like, you know, where is my NBC? I'm missing that because you know, you're you're stuck watching, you know, the, the foreign countries uh, you know, television network. Jay, I never saw so much handball in my life. I'm not kidding. This is crazy.
4: That was a big yeah, deal with them. Yeah, yeah. Huge deal for them. I, you know what? Handball seems pretty cool and I've watched it a few times but it's so frustrating trying to figure out what the heck is going on yeah, you know right. I, I don't understand it like some of these foreign sports and that are very popular around the rest of the world or certain parts of the world to watch it during like the Olympic times or world championships you're like okay I'm trying to figure this out it's it's impossible you need somebody by your side saying okay you know trying to, I mean, those you know Europeans are or you know, people in Asia, South America, wherever, you know, trying to understand baseball back in the day. Now it's more of a worldwide sport these days. But back then, trying to explain to them about what you know the baseball rules are, I remember trying to do that to some of the Germans over there, and they were just totally lost. <laughs> you know, of what you know what was going on. But uh, uh, today, you know, the internet obviously has connected us all. <laughs>
2: Jay Cornegay joins us from the Superbook. Uh, let's talk a little World Series, Jay. How's the atmosphere uh, been in the book for these games?
4: Yeah, no, it's been great. I, you know, uh, I wish, you know, last night was uh, a tough. Uh, at least we had, you know, the no-hitter going, uh, which was kept the game exciting because we're like, okay, they're going to get a hit. And then it got really exciting like the last two innings because, like, shoot, maybe they're not. And uh, I think that's what everybody was, you know, um, you know, staying tuned uh, to the game was that uh, it was, um, you know, the no hitter going. And so, um, you know, five nothing uh, with no threats, you know, nobody on base, nobody, you know, nobody like two on, you know, one out. You didn't see any of those situations. So, you know, the whole story was whether or not the Phillies were going to get a hit.
2: Right. Now, was there a prop on the board either for each game? Is there going to be a no hitter or during the course of the series? Did you have that on the board and no. any takers?
4: No, 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 not that I know of. I, I, someone asked me that last night, and I said I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it hasn't happened sixty years, right? Right. Uh, so, uh, so I was he- like, uh yeah. I was like, I don't think so, but the, the games itself have been getting pretty good action. I can tell you tonight, um, you know, we got a lot of things going on. We got, you know, the football game, we got the the nights going at four, and uh, of course we had the World Series and we had a little debate in the back room mm-hmm. about two hours ago of uh, what we were gonna do with the audio. And I, and I, so there was a lot of different views on that and um, I actually had to pull rank, and we're going to go with the baseball. And so uh, we will have the Knights uh, audio for the first period, which will end around 445, and then we'll have uh, baseball from from that point on. But, uh, you know, it is the World Series. Thank you. And I was going to
2: ask you. Who wins that? Come on. Who who I mean again you said that you uh, you know I was going to say who wins that that battle of like if you're you know you're incorporating everyone's opinion I mean do you have the ultimate decision do you hit the gavel and say no nah, you guys are nuts this is what we're doing
4: <laughs> I you know what I love my team and the team is great and they usually figure it out themselves but there was uh, uh the, the jury was split Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, they couldn't make up their mind. So I said, "Okay, this is what we're going to do, you know, but most of the time I leave it up to them and they do figure it out. But tonight it was a little different story because, you know, it's such a a bad football game. Right. You know, the football football game is getting some action. There's no doubt they always do. But. It is the Eagles against the Texans. Come on. That's what I'm
2: saying. I mean, how can this even be a debate? I mean, it should be a clean sweep over there. I mean, it's a World Series coming off a no-hitter. It's 2-2, pivotal game five nights. I mean, early season. And then you got, again, football. I mean, are you kidding me? We might as well throw croquet or handball in the mix while we're out there. Put <laughs> exactly. that it. A... And where was Murray on this? I want to know, where was Murray? Where was his vote?
4: Oh, Murray, you know, he was probably eating lunch by the time, you know, I talked. But anyway, yeah, it's like so true. But, uh, yeah, but we will have, you know, the nights on a big screen. We'll have the football game on two big screens. We'll have the World Series on big screens, obviously. And we got a slew of, like, NHL games tonight that will be on smaller screens. But everything will be on because – Luckily, there's only two NBA games, two college football games. All Everything will be on, okay, guaranteed.
2: Of course. It's the super book. Of course it will be. Uh, let me ask you, if you have to now make a, and you're probably going to have to, uh, make a line for this in the future, will there be a no-hitter thrown in any game of the World Series? What would you make that line?
4: <laughs> oh, geez. I have no idea. Come on. Let's make it right now. Be, let's make gonna, one for next it's year. It's be astronomical, but... Okay. Well, listen. Okay, there's a difference here. Okay? You get action. A, you know, People will bet on anything, Jay. Come well, on. I know that. <laughs> I know that. The okay, you, there's a difference between you know the probability odds, mm-hmm. right, of the natural happening, and then your bookmaking odds, right, right. I mean, I know that you know a regular football game, you get like a hundred to one that a touchdown will not be scored, and we had one of those. Like earlier, one I can't remember if it was a Thursday night game or a Monday night game, whatever it was. But no one scored a touchdown, and it paid out a hundred to one. A no hitter's got to be. Um, but here's the key: uh, they're going to bet the odds. So you, you basically, when you put something up like that, this is where I go up and tell my bosses. I go, okay. Uh, just so you know, if, if it's a no hitter, we lose about uh, 1.3 million, and if uh, we we win, you know, two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like thrilled, as you can imagine, right? Look at all the uh, great
2: publicity you get out of that, though. There you
4: go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Even though they come in, the lights are dimmed, and hmm. you know we you know had to raise the Prices of our sandwiches and stuff. So,
2: um. <laughs> oh, no, 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 please don't do that. Please, don't mess <laughs> with my food. Come on. You know, it's funny. I was, you know, I was talking to our guy, Mattress Mac, uh, uh, about that. You know, the other night when we were uh, after game was it uh, game two? And I said, "Hey, Mac," I said, "You know, if." You know what's better for you financially, because as you know, I mean, he's got seventy-five yeah. million if he cashes okay. out at the Astros win the future ticket. But you know, remember that is a hedge bet. People say, "Oh, is Matt kinda, yep. you know yep. hedging on the Phillies?" No, no, because this is the hedge bet for his furniture promotion. If you buy three thousand dollars worth of furniture, he's going to refund mm-hmm. everybody. So he tells me he's got right now seventy-four million dollars that he would have to refund. So obviously. It's, wow. He's better suited from a financial standpoint if he doesn't refund the money and the Astros don't win the World Series. But he goes, no. He goes, I I want to hit the future ticket. I want the Astros to win because even though I'm basically going to split it even, and he would make seventy four million profit, you know, uh, if uh, mm-hmm. the Astros lose from from his furniture sales or he doesn't have to yeah. refund. But he says the goodwill. He goes, I cannot, you know, you can't purchase that kind of goodwill that he is going to get for refunding all those people. And and so that's kind of what we're talking about here, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. And, uh, you know, watching him, at, you know, they've shown him a, a, a couple of times, and, you know, he's really rooting for the Astros.
2: Oh, he's a fan? you got to remember he's a fan first <laughs> yeah. and foremost. Oh, I
4: know. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. He, he came in here years ago. You know, before passport was overturned, and he had all these different options, but uh, you know, he uh, approached us, uh, you know, on a wager, and um, we we didn't know who he was. You know, he was a guy off the street. Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, and uh, and it was uh, it was a bet on the Astros, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I'll th- think about it," and uh, he, he obviously went around and probably you know got some you know better offers and and uh which was fine as well but um you know we didn't know him from slim right mm-hmm. uh he was just a guy off the street and we had no idea it's first time we didn't know him as mattress mac it was mm-hmm. just some guy off the street like <laughs> we, we offered him a pretty fair deal and uh um you know i shouldn't say deal it was an yeah. amount right okay right. and uh he's like ah no nah, let me go check around And it's like oh, i'll come back later. you guys gonna be here tomorrow i was like yeah of course uh, but obviously, he got down uh, at, at another place, which is, which is great. That's fine. But uh, yeah, I you know there's and that's where it really comes down to. It comes down to like ownership. You know, they're the they're the ones that decide. You know, how much liability they're going to stomach. Right. You know, and everybody's a little different. Listen, I've been through four ownerships at this place. Uh, you know, in eighteen years, and and uh, you know, and everybody has a different appetite, and uh, so. It's, uh, it really comes down to what they're comfortable with. You know, when you talk about those big numbers like that, you know, where they're, it's, you know, 30 million or 75 million, whatever it is, I mean, if that pays out, I mean, as far as I know, that's the
2: biggest payout I've ever heard of. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's on record. This will be the largest payout, uh, you know, ever. And it's funny because uh, I have been pimping you out big time. I'm, I'm saying, Mac, you, you got to come to Vegas. We'll take you over and introduce you to Jay, the the Westgate. And he goes, oh, the Superbook. Yeah, I know, I know the Superbook. And he goes, you know, what's their <laughs> limit? What's their limit? And I think I was texting you you know, back and forth. And uh, it, it's just so funny. You know, he goes, well, he goes, I don't think they'll take my action there. And and so I'm, <laughs> I'm I am pimping you out big time, Jay. And it's funny. So uh-huh. I said, well, you know, let's talk about your, your bets that you have, this and that. So I asked him about this this one establishment where he had, because he's got like spread out over like you know three different uh, you know companies. Yeah, yeah. So I asked him one company. I said, so what's their limit? Wait a second. And he says, just like this. While while he's down on his Caesar salad, he goes. Only a million. And it's like, no, they say like that. And he goes, Will the Superbook take that? Let me, will they take more than that? I go, Let me talk to my man. Okay. Yeah. And that's what he said. But, but he just shook his head. and he goes, Only a million. I was, <laughs> yeah.
4: It was like, Oh, geez. I was like, I told you. It's like, listen, if it, uh, you know, back in the day, um, Little Caesars was the one that took the big bets. I know. You know, remember when they said... The uh, pizza company? You remember. But remember, they, they would take a million dollars on the Super Bowl, right, you know? Right, And they would be, like, one, like, Bob Stupak would be the guy yes. that bet a million dollars on the Super Bowl, and right. that was big. But that's long time ago. Now you hear about these things here and there. They're still very rare, okay? But they do happen a lot more often these days than back then. You'd maybe hear once a year somebody betting that. But now you hear these things. Uh, you know, some of these big players uh, around and, uh, you know, some of these bigger operators that probably can absorb it a, a little bit more than what we could. But um, I think we're fair enough, but uh, I don't know, Mattress, Mattress Mac is a handful for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I'd love to to bring him by. And uh, when he comes to Vegas, we're trying to arrange a time when uh, when he can come by. I'll, I'll definitely bring him by. I think it'd be a fantastic uh uh, chance to just to sit down though, as well with him. Uh, you'll enjoy it. There's no question you would. Sure. But sure. Uh, there yeah. you, you better you better get uh, you know the authorities uh, from from above to 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 take at least seven or eight <laughs> figures. There you go, Jay. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
4: Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, some big. There's big money everywhere. I was just talking about this Indiana operator, uh, you know, and uh, they they uh, they they took in a lot of money from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, our Ohio folks during the Super Bowl, and they said, "Yeah, they they had uh, on, just on the game itself, they had um, like sixteen million dollars on the line." Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that's pretty impressive for <laughs> yeah. you know, a book in Indiana. You yeah. know, and I'm like, wow, that's that's really impressive. So. You know these, uh, you know, operators are popping up left and right. is fantastic. You know, just like the Superbook, we, we're, you know, like I said, six states, we're all over. But man, there's, there's uh, some big money out there uh, throughout the entire country. It's pretty impressive.
2: Tonight's game, uh, Houston, right around a dollar fifty favorite or so. Where's the money coming in now? Is it Verlander or are people taking a shot with Syndergaard?
4: Uh Syndergaard, Syndergaard is the one that's getting action now. Let me take a look at the ticket count real quick oh, because. I did notice we we were at minus one fifty earlier on Verlander, and now we're down to dollar forty six. Okay, okay, All right. so we're getting some money there. Get uh, some money there, please wow. hold. Let me just see what the what's going on with the ticket count because um, it's uh, that will kind of tell you where everybody. Oh, it's really even. Wow okay wow there's split split decision here, yeah,
2: look at this. um
4: uh, very uh close to i'd say well wow it's it's almost uh, right on the nose, so um it's uh, pretty split, same thing with the over under over under looks uh um i mean fifty fifty and uh maybe fifty one forty nine on the over and then uh well, of course the run line they always lay the run and a half yeah um yeah but uh the the game itself cc it's very balanced.
2: Well, that's good for you guys. That's good. So let me ask you, okay? What is getting more action handle-wise, ticket count-wise tonight? Is it Houston at Philadelphia or Philadelphia at Houston?
4: Uh-huh. 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 Aha. <laughs> oh, dude, I love that soup joke. That I, I was just going
2: um... to say that no, Chuck, you're missing your cue. Where's our soup? Where's our soup, man? There it is. There okay. it is.
4: Okay. It's
2: there somewhere. Uh, right Coming now. to America. Van- va- fantastic. Oh, that's yeah. so good. What do you so got? Good. That's
4: right at the end of the movie. That's, that's a right. joke. Uh-huh. It's like in the trailer or something. Or not the trailer, at the but end. the credits. When right. the credits
2: go, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh,
2: what do you know for wow. nothing, you bastard!
4: That's how he said. <laughs> I love the the barbershop. It's so good. Oh yeah, that is, like uh, oh yeah, he's like, "What do you put in there? Chemicals?" Uh, <laughs> that was just on the other day. Okay, back to the game. Um,
2: well, football or counts. baseball? Is we're talking about those. Those that didn't okay, follow us here. Football versus yeah. baseball. Yeah.
4: Football is winning on ticket count. But baseball is winning on money count. How's that?
2: Okay. There it is. People love it. Even though yeah. the line is 14-and-a-half with the Eagles over the Texans tonight, people are betting this uh, game?
4: You go out there and go, oh, Eagles are going to kill them. Eagles. And then you got the, you know, the uh, um, contrarians out there. that are going, no, you know, too many points. Yep. Uh, but, a lot, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, a lot of tickets. A lot of tickets on – Eagles and over, as you can imagine.
2: Yeah, of course. All right, uh, real quick here. Raiders-Jacksonville, the disappointing performance by the Raiders last Mm -hmm. week. Now they're going to Jacksonville. Uh, Maybe, you know, in Indiana, this isn't getting very much uh, handle or whatever. But in Vegas, I'm sure, you know, you've got uh, backers for the Raiders here. How does this line set and and how's the handle on this? And what do you expect out of this?
4: Yeah, this game um – we uh, opened uh, Raiders two-and-a-half. It's down to one-and-a-half now. Um, I do expect it to go back up. Total, we opened 46 and a half. now. It's up to 48. Um, so, um, and it's been holding there for a couple of days now, but I do expect some Raider money to come in. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that a lot of fans, and we're all rooting for them here uh, and trying to turn this thing around. They were so distraught after that new Orleans game, Mm -hmm. the fans were just, you know, they were just out of gas. They didn't have, they didn't have much to say. They were just so disappointed. So hopefully, you know, they can turn this thing around and get a win here. Because I think the Jaguars have lost what five in a row now.
2: Yeah. Two and six. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's tough. You know, where, you know, out of the gate, everybody says, wow, they're back They're Look at the coaching, you know, the quarterback, all this, you know, and, uh, now they just just fallen flat on their face. If the Broncos can beat the Jaguars, I'm sure the Raiders can.
2: There you go. All right. He is Jay Cornegay over at the Superbook. Uh, Jay, great stuff as always. Again, we'll be back there next Friday. I promise there will be no more days off uh, after this. Okay. The World Series will be done. Uh, there you go. I'll be, I'll be clocking in, reporting for duty there. Uh, and uh, no love uh, love the superbook love doing uh, do the show there and hopefully jay uh, i will i don't want you know jinx anything whatever i need to do here uh, hopefully i'll be uh, rolling around there on uh, on monday to cash my futures ticket
4: Yeah, I know what's going to happen, you know, and I'm not going to try to jinx them either, but it's like, oh, sorry, I got to cancel. I got to go to the parade. I'm like, oh, okay. Now he's selling Numbchunk. That's what he's saying. He goes, hey, why don't you just stay? Why don't
2: you just stay there? Because he didn't want to see me for at least another week. There it is. (laughs) He goes, stay for the parade. You got to go to the parade. You got to hang out. Yeah. No, I gotta get yeah. back. Got work to do. You know? I've had enough. Hey, a- after being in a parade a couple months ago, you know, come on. I've already experienced the pinnacle. I was in the Aces Parade. Come on. <laughs> what am I gonna yeah, do? Stay I on the see, side, you know, sharing. with my Astros what? pennant? Forget that. No, I want to get home and cash my 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 ticket, my futures ticket. That's well, what I want to do. I want to be at the Westgate instead of being there on Crawford Street in Houston.
4: <laughs> I don't know, man. I I my team was doing that. I think I just Put everything on hold and enjoy it. I and, know. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Dub Jax got it right. Just stay in Houston, man. We'll be fine. There you go. We got Marco. We got Marco is good. Oh, there we'll, you go. We'll see
2: you in two weeks. Well, whatever it takes, man. There you go. <laughs> All right, my friend. Enjoy the games tonight, and uh, especially the World Series. Who you got? Who you rooting for, man? Let's go. You got your blue and orange on? I mean, they are Bronco colors. Hey, I had my Astros gear on yesterday, and the guy says, uh, I ran to hit at the station here, and he goes, oh, you're a Bronco fan. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you got blue and orange on. And I had to turn around, and he goes, oh, Houston. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, same colors. Yeah, I was mistaken for a Bronco fan. You like that?
4: Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, I, no, I don't like it because the guy should know the difference, okay? Exactly. All right. We
2: got, ours is pumpkin orange. <laughs> yours is orange orange. <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> orange orange. There you go. Orange orange. There you go. Naval orange. There it is. Yeah, Sunshine yeah, Tropicana right. orange. Minute made orange. There you go. All right. My friend, appreciate the time as always, man. We'll uh, look forward yeah. to seeing you uh, next week.
4: All right, TV. Enjoy your time down there, man.
2: Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right. I'll be back to the Westgate and hopefully bring in Mattress Mac as well, too. There you go. That would be fun. All right.
3: Who's going to pay for that trip, you or him?
2: Max $75 I think, will be paying for that trip. Okay, there you go.
3: Uh, That's what I was hoping you'd say.
2: That's it. Yeah. Uh, Mattress Mac. All right. Uh, the petition. What's the latest? The uh, breaking news. What is the latest number on the Mattress Mag petition to throw out the ceremony first pitch at game six on Saturday?
3: 38,513.
2: And that's just within an hour.
3: Not even. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous.
2: Scott Sprites was going to join us next. We start handicapping uh, not only tonight's uh, World Series game, but college football Saturday, NFL Sunday.
0: Wait, wait, wait a
1: second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the doctor, T.C. Martin. Aha.
4: There
2: you go. It's a Thursday. Get ready for game number five tonight between the Astros and the Phillies. Tied two games apiece. Our next guest, he was very happy. I kind of feel that... Uh, he should be wearing some blue and some orange as well, too. No, we're not talking Dipper Bronco colors. No, 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 no. Because no. I know he had the Astros last night, and he's very, very, very happy. And we'll see what happens tonight. We're talking about the one, the only, the handicapper extraordinaire, Scott Spritzer, a.k.a. Scooter, as known Chuck likes to call him. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but I'm kind of getting used to it, Scooter. Ha, Scooter McRae. How's that? Go ahead. You give me another scooter. Let's play this
0: game. Scooter McRae. It goes to you. Oh my gosh, Scooter McRae. Is he the one that went through the wall? <laughs> was he, was he? in the outfield, right field? Did he go through the wall no. and Scooter McRae? Scooter
2: McRae from Louisville, the basketball. No, player. no, I know.
0: Yeah, he played basketball, but I I believe he played minor league. Oh, baseball. really? might be right. Yeah, I, I think he was the one that ran through the wall. To, you know, I might be thinking of another. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was him, but you know, I can't think of another scooter. That's tough. I had an uncle that called me Scooter when I was young. So really? There you go. Yeah.
2: Were they just dyslexic because they got the, you know, the O's in there and, and the T's mixed up? So instead of Scotter, they called you Scooter? That could be, you a know. Scotter? Uh, yeah,
0: you know. Scotter. I don't know about that. But
2: <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying scooter would be, like, someone reads your name, S-C-O-T-T. Scooter, right. scoot would be S-C-O-O. So I'm saying someone's, like, you know, they threw an extra valve in there. Is that a valve? I have no idea. A valve? Yeah, yeah. A is a valve. You just said a valve. Oh, a valve. Yeah. And no V. <laughs> V-O-W-E-L-L. Yeah. Okay. Do I get a belt? I, I, I don't know. The... Fan white. But, I you know. yeah, where <laughs> n- Have I heard that on Wheel of Fortune? The they do that too. No. Do they? Yeah. I oh, I okay. I, hear the, I just hear the ding. They, they do more of like the. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty good. Exactly. Oh uh, well, that, didn't we have that when uh, Showtime Sean Porter was all right because he was on the Family Feud? Yeah, that is that that's the Family Feud one, right? That's
3: the Family Feud one. Yeah,
2: yeah, there you go. Hey, were you aware of that uh, Scott that Showtime was on uh, Family Feud and actually won the big money?
0: I did not know that. Yeah,
2: no. it was a when was that? It was like a couple of years ago? And we yeah.
3: wow, it was a celebrity one. It was a uh, WBC versus.
2: The the, the the WBA or something, or something, something like, like that. It was yeah. like the legend. It was, yeah, it was like, a full boxing show. Yeah, it's a full boxing show. That was yeah Oh,
0: that's cool. I haven't watched the Family Feud since Richard Dawson. Yeah, uh, So yeah. it shows you how out of touch I am <laughs> with the feud. <laughs> exactly.
2: All right, my friend. Uh, game five. Tonight, uh, we got Verlander. We got
0: Syndergaard. Um, what do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, last night I thought it was the place to place a bet if you were going to do it at all in this World Series, and and it was based on, you know, what Javier's done throughout the postseason, and really thought it was a situation where if he kept pitching to form, it was going to be awfully tough for the Phillies to be able to get more than one or two runs. I did not expect a combined no-hitter. I don't think anybody did, Uh, but that's what they got. So, you know, I just kind of been playing towards current form with a lot of these pitchers, and if current form holds true tonight, we ought to see a few runs. You know, I see the money coming in, the sharper money coming in on the Phillies right now. Doesn't mean it's going to win, but it's about 50 50 ticket wise in the couple of books that I've talked to today. Sharper money coming in on the Phillies, and I get it. I mean, you know, Sendergaard is probably going to go two innings. He might be an opener plus and maybe go three if things are going well, but I would guess that would be about it, whether he's, you know, successful or not. And you know what, TC, there's been 99 pitchers in major league baseball who have thrown at least thirty innings of World Series action. The worst of all time is pitching for the Astros tonight. Six oh seven ERA, nine home runs allowed in forty three innings, barely has lasted five innings pitch per start, eight starts, and you know, five of those have come with the Astros, including earlier this this World Series. He's been bad this postseason, let's just call it like it is. Uh, he, he just hasn't look good. So, you know, again, if it holds the current form, I can see why people would bet the Phillies. I can see why the folks would be on the over. I have an opinion on the over. And I got to tell you, uh, not to be taken the easy way out, but that's all I did. But of course, I did tell you that last night that I was just going to, mm-hmm. you know, be an opinion type of game for me because, I, I, you know, if you look at this, you're thinking, my gosh, Merlander, you know, Cy Young stuff all season long. Does he finally put it together in a World Series appearance? Does he keep on pitching poorly? And as far as, you know, Sendegaard is concerned, I, I just, this point of the World Series, I don't want to place my money on a guy that they're expecting to go maybe two or maybe three innings tops. And then you go to the bullpen. The Phillies' pen has pitched well in the postseason, but you want to rely on them for six or seven innings against this lineup. You know, you look at some of those bats Houston has, Alvarez, for instance, in this ballpark, and you're thinking, you know, at any time they could put up a crooked number in any half inning. You know what, I, I, I'm kind of agreeing with Pedro Martinez that the fact that Wheeler is not going tonight, given the fact that Verlander has struggled so badly in the World Series in his career and he's, been, and he's not pitched well so far this postseason, I would think this is the place to, to start Wheeler if he was healthy. I, I'm just wondering if something's wrong with Zach Wheeler. He's expected to pitch on Saturday uh, after tomorrow's travel day. But again, the fact that he's not pitching tonight, it just kind of makes you wonder if he is ready to go. Uh, in this World Series, we saw him look pretty bad the other day, uh, and he couldn't get that curve that he throws as a strikeout pitch and a chase pitch. He, he was trying to get it over the plate just to get a strike called, and that's when he gets in trouble. But, uh, boy, I think this is a tough game. I'm going to kick back tonight, TC. I'm going to root for your Strohs as a fan, which is going to be kind of fun in a sense, too, because I haven't been able to root as a fan for quite a while.
2: Right. Yeah, no, Wheeler uh, definitely is – you know, is hurt, and if Rob Thompson even alluded to this the other day when he said there could be. He thinks there is arm fatigue there because you got to remember he had that forearm injury uh, in September. So, and that's that was pretty recent, and they've been trying to give him as much rest as possible. Then he takes the line drive off the leg, and so a lot of people are saying, well, maybe you know that has something to do with it too. But as we're finding out, hearing more and more from the Phillies, it just seems like yeah, it is arm fatigue because you know he did have that. That, uh, that forearm injury uh, that has really kind of limited him. And, you know, I think, you know, velocity's down a little bit as well, too. And like you said, he did not look good in um, in game number two. So the th- the thinking here is to just delay him, you know, more days. Well, hopefully that he can, you know, kind of be like his old self. But you're right. I mean, if this guy was anywhere close to maybe even 90%, he would be pitching in game five. It wouldn't be waiting until game six. And I'll even go back, Scott. Remember, he was the original game one starter of this series. Right. Both teams, you know, had their, their six days off. And then they said, well, we're, you know, we want to give him, you know, let's let's back him up a little bit and throw Nola in there. And then, again, Nola wasn't good in game one. Wheeler wasn't good in game two. Nola wasn't good last night. Nola wasn't good. You know, now three starts. So, yeah, that's, I think, the, the issue with the Phillies is, you know, you had your top two aces, and that was part of the, the narrative Coming into the World Series, like, wow, you got these two guys, man. Uh, they're going to be fine. Then after that, well, what are you going to get? Then we've got to mix and match. And really, it's been kind of a mix and match thing for Rob Tonson the, the entire World Series. And despite that,
0: it's still 2 2. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think if the Phillies didn't have the bumps and bruises that they do to the pitching staff, they win the series. I mean, I really do. Um, you know, it's been a, a situation where, as you mentioned, they've had to mix and match. Pedro was saying earlier today, I was watching his interview. And he was saying, and I, I, think that, I think he's right. I mean, how could you doubt a guy like that when he talks about it? But he said, I think it's beyond arm fatigue with Wheeler. He goes, I think it's more than that. Yeah. I'm not worried about taking a pitch, if it's me, this is me talking not Pedro, taking a pitch off the leg, is, you know, as long as it's not you know, done something to the knee or something like that. It's just something going on, you know. I think, a little bit further than even arm fatigue. So I kind of agree with Pedro with that. I mean, gosh, if the Phillies were healthy, their arms – You know, I I think they win this series probably in six. I mean, just from what you've seen thus far, uh, I think Thompson's done a fantastic job throughout the course of the uh, postseason and, of course, late in the regular season, trying to mix and match the staff a little bit. But again, I mean, it's just like if everything holds to form tonight, you know, it's it's one of those situations where Verlander has two or three good innings and gets blown up, and Syndergaard pitches well for two innings, and then it's bullpen. You know, that's why I have the opinion on the over. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't look for a guy... It's kind of funny, no matter what sport I talk about, when they talk about, hey, do you think this team is going to win a championship? I don't care if it's football, basketball, what have you. If they don't, if they always mess up in the big game situation, I'm not going to pick that team to win and go bet on it until I see them turn things around and get it done in a positive manner. And that's why I can't back Verlander, whether he wins or not whether he throws seven innings of shutout ball or not tonight uh, and looks like Javier did last night, until he proves he can do it at a big game, I just can't back him. So, listen, I'm going to root for him to win the game. You know, again, I, I did give out a free play, and opinion on the over, so I'll kind of root for maybe a, you know, seven to three type of Astros victory.
2: <laughs> you know, when you – back to Wheeler real quick before we move on is, you know, when you hear a forearm injury, to me that – Again, that's not arm fatigue. That means there's something wrong. Maybe exactly. a, a tendon injury. It would not surprise me, Scott, if next week we hear Wheeler is going under the knife or something like that. And again, you never usually hear this during the course of the playoffs. It's always right. after the fact. It's like, well, yeah, because they don't want to tip their hand. And the, and I understand that. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're sitting here next week saying, oh, okay, that will, that's what's wrong with Wheeler. But uh, yeah. absolutely.
0: Yeah. And and you're not gonna, you know, if it's not if it's one of those injuries where the team doctor they haven't looked at you know, the team doctor says, you know, well, you're not going to do any permanent damage. You're obviously not going to say, oh, he's got, you know, you're not going to tell the opponent or anybody until after the season's over. So, you know, you just get that feeling that that's the case that Wheeler has this issue. That's not going to be something that affects him, you know, for the rest of his career or a permanent type of injury, but that there's something there more than fatigue. That's going to have to be, you know, something that's going to have to be addressed after the season is over with. And that's a shame. I, I love seeing, no matter what sport we're talking about, I love seeing a team's best players at their best and at their healthiest, you know, at the right time in a championship moment. And it really is a bummer when you, when you see a guy like Wheeler, who's been so good all season long, potentially affected by some kind of nagging injury that's going to hurt him and his chances to pitch well. And It's kind of a bummer. I mean, I don't care what it is. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, right down the line, when you're talking about the best, I want to see these guys stay healthy all season long through the postseason.
2: All right. Scott Spritzer joins us. Scott, there's uh so that is Houston at Philadelphia tonight. Do you have an opinion on Philadelphia
0: at Houston tonight? Well, as far as that's concerned, <laughs> I mean I, I didn't bet it, but my gosh, Houston's defense is terrible against the run. Yeah. I mean, they go up against Tennessee last week with a quarterback who's basically never started a game in the NFL and Malik Willis. He throws 10 passes, he completes 6. They get 55 yards through the air. And Houston never had really a chance to win that football game and failed to cover the spread, too, because they gave up over 300 yards rushing. And so, you know, that's a whole lot of points. But, again, double-digit favorites of the NFL have been covering for a few years now. You know, if I had to play this game, I would actually lay the points. But I don't have to play this game. And so that's where I stand. Uh, as far as Philly's concerned, you know, I did a show, uh, gosh, I'm going to say like a week before the regular season kicked off, and I think I spent almost the entire show talking about how well I thought Philly was going to be and play this entire season and win the NFC. Uh, so far, so good with this Philadelphia team. They've just got to stay focused. If they just run the ball at Houston, you know, they could win this game 27-10 to 10 without much trouble. It's just a matter of just being focused and running the football. That's all you got to do against the Houston Texans. They're not going to all of a sudden, you know, find the sweet elixir, and figure out how to stop a ground game. If they do, it's because the opponent isn't completely focused.
2: College football on Saturday. We've got a couple of pretty intriguing games here, obviously, with the college football rankings coming out. Tennessee surprised a lot of people at number one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, then Clemson four. Tennessee at Georgia, and the Bulldogs, despite uh, having a number three. You know, ranking in these in these playoff rankings, uh, they're an eight-point favorite at home, and I gotta believe Scott that that's some great bulletin board material for the Georgia Bulldogs. Like you're making us three, you're making the, <laughs> this this ham and egg Tennessee team uh, come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, number one, are you kidding me? I think that's what's going on in the Georgia locker room. I know that uh, Georgia has a big-time injury on the defensive side of the ball. We touched upon that yesterday. But Georgia, uh, favored by eight at home, and they have owned the Volunteers in the past. Uh, what do you think of this uh, huge game on Saturday?
0: Yeah, Nolan Smith is the one you're talking about who's yep. banged up for the dogs, and he's, you know, the big key to the sack attack. But they're, you know, Georgia's sacks are way down from, you know, this point of the season from where they were last year. But I think they got so much freaking talent on this team, so many four- and five-star players out there uh, that they'll be able to make up for Nolan Smith. But, you know, can I, I'm going to start with this. Can we get an odds maker as part of this playoff voting committee? Can we get a sports book director with a great reputation who's been around? I mean, this is ridiculous. We You've know quite a few one. of them between you and I. We, we, we well, can nominate exactly. some. <laughs> and I know I was going to say a better too, but they'll never put a better on the right. committee. You know, but I, I was just going to say, I mean, you make Tennessee the number one team in college football. You make Georgia number three. Then you come out to Vegas and you see the number three team is laying eight points. You know, that's more than just home field advantage when you talk about an eight point spread. So that doesn't mean Tennessee can't, you know, come in here and pull the upset. You know, I can't wait till I hear some goofball, you know, guy on TV somewhere in America on Saturday night if Georgia wins and says, Georgia pulls the upset over number one ranked Tennessee, (laughs) Right, right. you know, which we hear all the time in this kind of scenario. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, get somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to power rankings and all that kind of stuff, a Chuck Esposito type of guy, to be on this playoff voting committee so we can actually get uh, a mind in there that knows what power ratings are all about. But, listen, Georgia – is a seven-point favorite by quality power ratings on a neutral field. That's not even factoring in home field advantage. And, again, it's not saying Tennessee can't play a great game and pull the upset, but the fact is that's where it stands when it comes to the power ratings. And as far as getting to the goods, I mean, Tennessee's offense has been feasting on zone coverage. Guess what? Georgia head coach Kirby Mm -hmm. Smart loves man coverage. Right. So you're going to see a mix of both man and zone. It'll be interesting to see if Hendon Hooker, who I do like, by the way, excellent quarterback, is going to be able to still find success when he's seeing mixed coverages out of the Georgia Bulldogs, plus the best defense that anybody will face all year, the Georgia Bulldogs. And can they continue to pile up numbers, stay ahead of the chains, all that kind of stuff against this talented secondary that's going to play some man and not just zone coverage? I think Georgia ends up winning the game. It almost feels like, and I don't want to like, put anybody down who likes Tennessee in this spot because, man, I, I get it. You can make an argument for them, and they may win this football game, but it seems like Tennessee's kind of the square pup this week. Mm-hmm. That square dog, you know, that always scares me. And if you go back to the win over Alabama, never want to take too much credit away from a team that beats the Tide with Nick Saban as head coach, but it took a complete meltdown. Alabama, 17 or 18 penalties, you know, way over 100 yards in penalties, completely un-Alabama-like, undisciplined game out of, out of Alabama. It took Tennessee 110,000 fans in overtime to win by three against the Bama team that just had a complete meltdown on the field. That kind of factors into this equation also. I, I lean towards Georgia this week, uh, T.C. I, I do think they get it done. I, I think it's going to be, you know, around the point spread, like, you know, 38-28, 34-24, somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm.
2: I think this turns out to be a blowout Scott. I think I think Georgia just rolls these guys for, you know, so many different You know reasons that we just kind of just touched on as well too, but I just think you know the motivation factor, uh, the bulletin board material, but then the matchups. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the man-to-man coverage that Hooker is going to see all kinds of stuff that's going to you know maybe confuse him a little bit. I think he's going to be under pressure. I just think that that Georgia is the better team. They're the much deeper team. And you know a lot of times we get these SEC games where we think there's going to be closer, and then sometimes you know we just get a lot of these these type of blowout games. Games. When I say blocks, right. so, you know, two touchdowns or more, that's, that's me. And I could be wrong with this, but that's just kind of my gut feeling, you know, with this game. So
0: Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I think they, you know, they win by at least 10. So we're, we're thinking along the same lines. I'm, I'm just calling for maybe a little bit closer yeah. game. But yeah. would I be shocked if this game is 42-24? to 24? No, mm-hmm. I would not, you know.
2: Give us a, a couple NFL games that you got your eye on for Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm looking at a couple, including – one that has to deal with the Chargers and the Falcons, and a lot of people don't want to back the Chargers. First things first, I won't go into detail because I don't want to take a half hour on this, with not a whole lot of time left. But if you hear people this week talking about, here we go, West Coast team on the East Coast in the Eastern time zone, West Coast team's going to lose. Well, over the last like 800 games, and I'm not kidding or exaggerating when I say 800 games going back 30 years, the West Coast team has covered 54% of the time in the Eastern time zone. So we throw that completely out of the mix. I just wanted to throw the the myth breaker out there. I I don't like laying points with the Chargers at home, but they've been better in this role on the road. They've uh, cashed nine of the last 13 as Road Shock, including 2-0 this season. They're off a bye week. They lost that October 23rd game by 14 as a favorite at home to Seattle, Uh, but they come in having covered 12 of the last 15 off a double-digit home loss. You look at the Falcons, TC, I think they're a little bit overvalued in this spot. Uh, They're off the loss to Carolina. It wasn't as close as the score would indicate. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL in a couple of key metrics that I care about uh, the most. And then the Chargers are one of the best in the league still in yards passing per game. They're going up against a defense that can't cover the pass. They allow more passing yards per game than any other team in the league. And then the Falcons' offense is one-dimensional. So the Chargers had this week to get over the ugly loss to Seattle, to focus on the Falcons, to focus on stopping a one-dimensional offense. And I think they're going to take full advantage. I thought the number was fair at the Chargers laying a field goal.
2: Great stuff, Scott. Uh, good stuff. All right. Uh, go to docsports.com. Subscribe to Scott's Picks. And, again, all sports, my man, uh, is all over that. All right, brother, we'll let you go enjoy the game tonight as a fan. uh, What's the food choice tonight uh, while you're sitting in the recliner?
0: It's funny you asked that because I was listening to the commercial before I came on, and I'm thinking, boy, Freddy's sounds really good for a late lunch, early dinner, and then we'll decide on dinner around 7 o'clock. Yeah. But I think I'm heading to Freddy's as soon as I hang up the phone here. See, and, and that was uh,
2: where I was at two hours ago, Scott. I was there. I went with the Chicago Dogs yesterday. And I thought of you because when I went to Freddy's the other day, I was, I was uh, was when I got back from Houston, I was so hungry. What did I do? I did your combo. I went the jalapeno, pepper
0: jack, and the dog. Oh, it's the Food. first time I did them both, and I was fine. I think I'm doing it today. I've been working my Boom. butt off all day. I haven't eaten. I think I'm doing both, jalapeno burger and the dog. I think <laughs> I'm going for both.
2: There you go. I wish I could join <laughs> you, my friend. So, All right, brother. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, from H-Town. And uh, Don't forget to join us tomorrow morning on our MLB show on BetUS TV. Scott, myself, the base winner, have a great time. It'll be our, our final MLB show. It will be uh, – Recapping game five tonight and a preview of Saturday's game six. So uh tune into that YouTube BetUS TV. Right, Scooter? All right, buddy. Take care. Right. See you later. There he is, Scott Spritzer. All right, wanna thank Scott for joining us. Jay Cornegate over at the Westgate and Sam Gordon. And what happens? My phone goes off in the middle of that interview from Mattress Mac. There it is. Calling me from the field there. So there we go. Hour before game time. 44,045 people. He's probably calling because, hey, thank that nunchuck for voting for him. You're, you know, getting that petition going. I uh, didn't
3: get it going. I know. I wish I did. All
2: right, programming note. I will be in Houston tomorrow. Marco D'Angelo will be in studio here tomorrow. We'll be back at the Westgate next Friday. Appreciate everyone for joining us. Go to the website. Check everything out. The current interviews, the past interviews, our interview with Mattress Max still up there. Go check that out. Great stuff there. We'll get ready for game number five the World Series. I will be back with you on Monday or if it goes Game 7 maybe not till Tuesday because Game uh, 7 would be Sunday night. Monday might be a travel day. We'll see. All right, So keep it tuned to TCMartinShow.com on Twitter. Follow along at TCMartin21. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the games over the weekend. Join Marco D'Angelo in for me tomorrow and we'll catch you next week right here. Have yourself a good one and enjoy.